Good morning. Welcome to Hope Bible Church. Glad you could be with us this morning, this Lord's Day, this first day of October. Indeed, it's good to be together for him and encouragement to our own souls. I just want to, uh, well, first say Steve Altman, as you can see, is not here, and I'm not taking his place. I mean, here I am, but I'm not going to sing, so don't, don't be concerned about that. But anyway, he, he got sick. He went to, co- he went to jury duty, you know, and the, it's about Tuesday, and the judge looks out and finds out, man, the jury's half gone. And so for the first time in 22 years, they said, hey, let's postpone this jury duty for another month because people are sick. And so Steve was one of them, so we keep him in our prayers. But anyway, I want to just first read from Psalm 100, a great psalm really about praise. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning to be with you and one another, Lord, to know that you are our God, the one who made us, the one who saved us, Lord, the one who gives us eternal life. We bless you that we can be together in this church, this assembly of believers and and, Lord, just ask you for the entire time, Lord, that you would really uh, cause it to be an encouraging time and a real time of worship and praise to you. You are indeed our great God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our coming King and Holy Spirit. We love you all. We thank you for this time now. Just lead us as we sing to you, Lord, and just lead our entire time for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, they took his seat above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. His kingdom cannot fail, he rules our earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus' given. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in glorious hope, our Lord the Judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the archangel's voice, the trump of God shall sound rejoice. 
The archangel's voice, the trump of God, shall sound rejoice. Be thou my vision. O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul Tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not, nor men's empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. High King of Heaven, my treasure Thou art. High King of Heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all.
Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best lovingly his part of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power, the protection of his child charge that on himself he laid. As the days thy strength shall be in measure, this the pledge to me he laid. Help me, Lord, in every tribulation, so to trust Thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation. Offer me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meet thee, to take us from afar. Days the moments fleeting till I reach the promised land. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meet ere to take as from a father's hand one by one the days the moments fleeting till I reach the promised land. Rise, O church, and lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. Sing as all the earth rejoices. Resurrection anthems swell. Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ the risen King. 
Good morning. Today's reading is in Psalm 25, the first 15 verses. Please feel free to uh, follow along any Bible that's in the pew or one you've brought yourself or be blessed by, uh, by listening. To you, O Lord, I will lift up my soul O oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from old. Do, do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your loving kindness. Remember me, for you are goodness sake, O Lord. 
Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them known his make them know his covenant. And uh, excuse me. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can put our whole trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a desire to learn your ways as they are written in your word that that you have provided us, um, preserved for over 2,000 years, uh, so that we would have it here today. Help us to to bring to you our sins, for you are the God of salvation, compassion, and loving kindness. Thank you for pardoning our sins on the cross of your son, Jesus Christ, a salvation and forgiveness of sins, which is available to anyone who would repent and turn their life and their will over to the care of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the, and the preaching of your word as well. Thank you for our pastor, Steve, Uh, He loves you, he loves your word, and he loves us. Please put in his mind and his heart what you would have him teach us and and help us to have ears to hear so we would take to heart his message. In your name we pray, amen. morning. It's great to see you all here. Glad that you could be with us this again this Lord's Day. A time we can worship the, the Lord together, that we can learn from him. Indeed, it's a, it's a blessing in our country that we can do this Sunday after Sunday. That Marsh and I are here today means our granddaughter has not yet been born. The due date is Wednesday the 4th, and so um, that's where we're at. We'll see about next Sunday. But, you know, you think about this, and I'm sure all of you have thought about this, at least to some degree, about how God forms a baby inside a mother's womb. I mean, it just, it's a miracle. I mean, you know, with our daughter, we've been going through this process for months and months now, and we get weekly updates and things. It's just, and you look at the online, you can see, okay, at, at week 25, it's like this, and at week 42, you know, it has all the details down there. It really is a miracle. It's an amazing miracle. But the other thing with that you have to realize, I think of Ephesians 2, says we are his workmanship. 
and, and, and the fact that, and what it says, I believe it's Galatians, I was looking for it, I couldn't find it, but I believe it's Galatians where it says, and Paul is talking, he says that Christ is being formed in us. And that is a miracle too. I mean, that's an amazing miracle that, that that's what he is doing, and of course, God is the one doing it. We are his workmanship. He is forming Christ in us. So you think about what's our main objective. Our main objective is to be Christ-like. And, and God is doing that. And so the things that you go through in life, day after day, it's part of God's process. And all of you go through lots of things. Every week there's something else that happens. And, and sometimes it's, things are easy, sometimes things are hard. But God's working, and he's, he's forming Christ in you. Just a wonderful truth and encouragement to know. A lot of talk, a lot of books about relationships. By far the most important relationship is with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's what we call eternal life. Uh, and those who repent of their sins and believe that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for their sins and then believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, these then are forgiven, they're saved, they have eternal life, they have this, 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 this personal, this eternal, this most wonderful relationship with the living God. And, and there are many aspects of your relationship with God. That's why I thought I'd take a couple Sundays to talk about these aspects you, you go through. Particularly, I, I see these in the Psalms. We talked about a number of things last week. I'll just review. We talked about how we're to know God, how we're to love God, how we're to fear God, how we're to be humble before Him. We talked about how we're to praise God, how we're to seek Him, how we're to trust Him, how we're to pray to Him. How are to be ones who confess our sins to him and how are to be ones who are thankful. And there are more aspects of this relationship too and I'm not covering them all in these two weeks but I'm covering a lot of them but I want to talk about some more today. Again, we're talking about your personal relationship with the living God and how God then wants you to respond to him. First one is learn from God. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Many verses here. Psalm 119 is about the word of God so it makes sense that he's talking in these verses about how we are to learn from him. Verse 12, I'll just read three here. Verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Verse 26, I've told them my ways and you've answered me. Teach me your statutes. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I shall observe it to the end. So we see three, three times the same phrase is really repeated. Teach me, that is, this should be a prayer. God wants us to, to learn from him so we should pray then that he teaches us so he's our teacher perfect teacher I've said this before in the past we've all had teachers growing up in, in school God's a perfect teacher he's the best teacher you could ever ever have and, and through the Holy Spirit sometimes you don't realize this God's been faithfully been faithfully continually teaching you through all your years as a believer he teaches you about himself and Jesus Christ and about the Holy Spirit. He teaches you about sin and how to have salvation from sin. He teaches you about faith. He teaches you about hope. He teaches you about love. He teaches you what he wants you to do. And he teaches you through his word. That's the primary way that you learn. He teaches you through other people. You learn from people. And he teaches you through trials, as it says in Psalm 119, I think 73. It says, it is good for me that I may be, that good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. And we don't always think that way. It was a good thing that I got a trial today because I could learn from it. But that's how you should always think. When you're going through a trial, God, what are you trying to teach me as I'm going through this trial? Very important thing to learn from the Lord. Next, pour out your heart to God. Pour out your heart. Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, O people. 
pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge too for us. As you know, we all have struggles and trials and difficulties, and, and, and God is really the only one who can truly help us. He wants us to be open with him about our problems. He wants us not to hold back. He wants us to be ones who are learning to tell him what's on our heart, what's on our mind, what we're thinking. And, and, and we don't just naturally do this. God's got to help us to be open with him about what you're going through, what's happening in your life. He wants you then to do this and trust him. That's how we have that phrase, trust in him. That is being open with God. It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of believing that God, as you open up with him, will hear you and can help you and that he will then help you. That's what, we're, that's what we understand here. And so the Psalms then are filled with examples, filled, filled with examples of David particularly and how he poured out his heart to, to God and, and, and God then helped him and God heard him, God answered him. Man, I could give so many examples. Just turn to Psalm 31. This is one of my favorite psalms for times of trouble. You should all have a psalm or two or three or four or whatever, because you all have troubles. You all need to have a go-to psalm. This is my go-to psalm. I've read it so many times, I just can't count. A go-to psalm or two or three go-to psalms that you read when, hey, there's a time of trouble. So I'm going to read the first five verses. And you, O Lord, I have taken refuge... Let me, be never, let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, you will lead in me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You've ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. Of course, that last verse, you know, recall is what Jesus said when he's on the cross. And he was thinking, I'm sure he, Jesus knew all these verses, okay? Sometimes you read and think, okay, did he know? Of course he knew it. He knew all the word. He knew all these verses, and I'm sure he was claiming these verses well. That the point is this, is that, that as people, we have lots of problems in life, and we need to learn how to pour out our hearts to him so that he then is a refuge. And, and these verses here are given so that you can then pour out your heart to him, so he can be a refuge to you, so he can then provide you safety and protection and peace as well. And so you need this. You, you need the Lord. You need the Lord. This is not some optional thought here. You need the Lord to be a stronghold, a refuge for you. You all understand the idea of a house. I, I would assume most of you like to go back to your house. It's a place of refuge, a place, I hope, of peace place where you can get rest, where you can get strength, where you can get food, where you can have relationships. A house is important, a home. But here we're talking about the Lord being your refuge. That's a physical refuge. That's important. A spiritual refuge is what I'm talking about here. The Lord wants to be your spiritual refuge. That's what he wants, where you go to him in times of trouble. Turn to Psalm 18. Another psalm, just the first few verses, but it's classic. And, and Verse 1. And this is sort of the conclusion, but he gives the verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. And why? The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. See all those words there? Rock, fortress, deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. There's no better verses in the Bible than the ones that follow. I'm not going to read them. You can read them some other time. And so we see in verse 3 that he calls to the Lord, but verses 4 on for the next 10, 15 verses talk about how God responds, and then the verses after that talk about how specifically God helps him. 
You have to see this. I mean, it's classic how God loves you so much. You call to him, and he comes racing to rescue you, to help you. He just loves to do that. He loves to hear his child cry to him. He loves then to answer that prayer and help him. So pour out your heart to God. Next, obey God. Psalm 119.44, really a life verse. I will always obey your law forever and ever. And I've mentioned this. Sometimes you think, oh, this Christian life is on this earth. It is. Your Christian life is an eternal life. And so we obey God now, so-so, because we're not perfect. We understand that. But you're going to perfectly obey God after this life's over. So that verse is true. I will always obey your law forever and ever. And so on this earth, though, we're to do what God wants us to do. And as we submit to him, then we then are going to be able then to obey him, to uh, do what he wants. And, and then obedience is that which leads to true blessing and true success. Christians who aren't really steadfastly, consistently obeying God won't be successful Christians. The, the life will not really go that well for them. Now, the truth is, I know you understand this next point, the truth is that as new creatures in Christ, we still have this old humanist that hangs on, this humanist that, that really struggles with the new man that's in us. And the verse in, in, um, in Galatians says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Do you see that? You know this. You understand this. The flesh sets its opposition to the spirit. There's a spiritual battle going on within you with the old humanist and the new spirit. And it says here there's this opposition. There's this struggle. Romans 7 says sim similar thought. Great section of verses there. End of Romans 7. I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I don't understand. Why is this struggle? Why am I not doing what I ought to do? says, I'm doing the very thing I hate, he says. You all understand that, right? You're all Christians here. You're all human. You're not perfect yet. So there's this struggle that goes on. And I'm saying that because, yes, once you want to obey God, say, yes, Lord, I want to do what you want. There, then there's a struggle. In fact, it typically happens that way. You're setting out to do something for the Lord, and there's this battle, this struggle that happens. That happens a lot. It really, really does. But the verse I want you to read, Romans 8, which, of course, follows Romans 7, that great section of verses on the struggle, and Romans 8, then, is, is, is I, I can't remember, I counted it once, but when you go from verses 1 through 26, 5 or 6, I think the word spirit appears about 10 times. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for you getting the victory that God wants to give you. And these three verses are, are special ones for me in this middle of this chapter. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The only real life you have is because of the Holy Spirit gives it to you. He goes on to say, so then, brethren, we are, not, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, not to that old humanness, but to live, according, to live according to the flesh. But for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But by the spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you see that. It's by the spirit. It's by the spirit you defeat. The flesh goes on to say, for all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. That should be your goal. Every day you get up, says, Lord, I want to be led by your Holy Spirit today. I want to be led so I can do what you want me to do, so I can live a holy life, a, a pleasing life, so I can obey you. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to think that, man, God's Spirit is literally in you, and God then wants to use his Spirit to lead you, to help you. Apart from the Spirit, you, you just can't make it. So you need to trust in the, in the Lord and trust in his Spirit day by day by day. 
And it's very important that you think about this area of obedience. This is a very, very critical part of your life as a Christian because God wants to help you every day of your life. Obedience may be the area of being humble before God. I'm going to just list out four different commands here. The first one, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's a command that God gives you between you and God. You're in his presence. He says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. And that's not a once a week thing. That should be a daily thing. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Where you say, Lord, you're Lord, and I'm just your child here. I'm just your student. I'm just your, your servant. You tell me what to do. Next, maybe in the area of being pure. It says, be holy. First Peter 1.16. Be holy also yourselves in all your behavior. It goes on to say, I think the next verse, be holy. God says, as I am holy. Which is our standard. We're to be holy, just like God is holy. Maybe loving someone. John 15, 17, this I command you that you love one another. Such a, such a basic, simple, overarching command. This I command you that you love one another. And that means every person that you meet in life, every person God has you come face to face with. Maybe that God wants you to trust him, to believe him, the command in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And, and, if, and if you're knowingly, I say, if you knowingly do anything apart from God's will, you're going to have problems. And part of that is because just the result of sin results in problems, but, but God will then sometimes discipline you. It's, just, you know, it's a spiritual spanking. It's not like he's mad at us. He just wants to help us get victory over that sin. So there will be problems. But if you're obeying God, you'll have a blessed and joyful life. And sometimes, again, if you know some other Christian or even your own life and they're struggling or hurting, it may be because of a lack of obedience, of doing what God wants. It says, I like how it says it here in James 1, it says, 23 to 25, the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful here, that's a very important phrase, because I, I will tell you, every one of you, well, actually every one of you, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to say this right. You'll all be tempted to forget what you hear today. And to some degrees, you very well may forget a fair amount. So, so you make that your effort. I don't want to forget what I heard. That's why I gave you the notes back there. You can listen to the message online. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. And that person says he'll be blessed in what he does. Very, very important. The blessings that God wants to give you that result of obedience. He wants to bless you but there's a way to be in blessed is by following him. Next, work for God. We are his workmanship. I mentioned this phrase before. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing that you can do the work of God, that you can work for God. I mean, if you went down to the street and you told people, hey, I'm, I'm working for God, they said, this guy needs to maybe get his head checked out. <laughs> I mean, most people think you're sort of strange. You're crazy. Yes, we are working for God. That is the truth. We are his workmanship, and God works in our lives so we can do the works that he planned out way back in eternity past. It's, it's truly an amazing and wonderful thing that God does this. And so there's jobs then where we can work for man. We all understand that, you know, if you have some job out in the world, you're working for man. But ultimately, you're always working for God, for the Lord God Almighty, for the creator of heaven and earth. And, of course, you understand this, too. We've talked about this, how God created you and made you the way you are, both physically and emotionally and personality-wise and spiritually. He made you the way that you are so you can do the work that he wants you to do. 
And so that's part of life. That's part of even being a, a Christian and growing up. And you see this physically. You know, kids are, you know, teenagers, and they're not sure what they're supposed to do in life. And they're getting their 20s. What am I supposed to do? And they learn who they are, okay? That's part of what's going on there. What kind of person am I? What kind of person did God make it to be? And so here we're saying that you need to learn who you are. What is your personality? What are the gifts that God has given you? You know, what are your physical abilities? And, and learning that so then you can excel in, in doing the things, you know, that God has designed for your life. Colossians 3, 23 and 4, Whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord, not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It's an important truth. And this doesn't just happen automatically. Where as you're going through the day, as you're serving that you're cognizant, that you're aware, that you know, man, God sees me, and I'm working for him today. You get up every day, Lord, I'm working for you. But we so much forget that, that God is there watching us, working for him. That's important. So this tells us that all your work's important, whether it's housework or yard work or whether it's homework or whether it's church work, whether it's encouraging somebody, praying for somebody, sharing the gospel. All your work is important. I'm trying to drill that into you. That it's not just spiritual things. All your work, all day long, is important. Every, every bit of it. Your entire life, then, is valuable. That's what God wants you to understand. Your entire life, every day, is spiritually and internally important. Because, again, you can work for God. And as I said before, not only that, but you'll be rewarded by God for the work that you do for him. That verse in Colossians Current 1 Corinthians 3 8, I've said before, but repetition is important here. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Own reward, your own labor. You can look at somebody else, compare yourself, maybe your spouse or some friend, or it's just between you and the Lord. Each will receive his own reward for his own, according to his own labor. And the work you do for God then, of course, is unique work. It's special work, uh, specific work that God wants you to do. No one else in the world like you, the work that God has for you. There's similar similarities, but the exact nature of your work. But one more thing. The work that you do relates directly to the previous point about obeying God. We, we talk about a command like, let's say, loving one another. Love one another is a command, or encourage one another, or pray for one another. All the specific commands God gives us is, is that... That, that general command then is the working out of that in our own life is going to be specific work, certain actions, unique assignments God gives you. So you think about that. Love one another, then God's spirit works in your heart, in your life, leading you then to love certain people and in certain ways. So you think about that. And God does that. It's a wonderful thing, the general command leading to specific ways that God then enables you to serve others. Continue on now, and we're going to use Psalm 37. You can turn to Psalm 37. And I want to use Psalm 37 to talk about a number of different aspects of your relationship with God. Many psalms do this. Psalm 37 is, is in my mind, one of the better ones on this. But how we then are to respond. And, And Psalm 37 is particularly about our enemies and how God will deal with them and how we're to respond to God in view of how he will deal with them. And this is, this is probably uh, my favorite chapter relative to the condition of our, our country at the present time. Because I look around, we all look around, we can see, man, this place is going downhill. I know, in fact, I was just talking to, to Bob as we came here together in church this morning, you know, about the condition of our country. 
And we are on its last legs. Spiritually speaking, it's very clear. The sexual sin is that main symptom that points out that, man, we're not doing so good. And God then is judging us. That is true. But Psalm 37 helps me. I love Psalm 37. It's just it's so good. Anyway, first response. And I'm not going to go through the, so much the enemy's part, but just our response. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. We've talked about this before. I, I believe I talked about it last week some, but there's such an importance that we need to really talk about it some more. Every day then is an everyday thing. It's like we sang that song day by day, day by day, every day. Every day we need to trust the Lord, to depend on him, to rely on him for both the wisdom, to know what to do, and the strength and to do what he tells us to do. And of course there's all kinds of other situations and circumstances and relationships. I mean, faith is required. I mean, I won't, I'm, anyway, I'm not going to share any examples here, but we just need faith. We need to trust the Lord. And it's so easy then to, to trust ourselves. I mean, we, we do that more than we realize. We trust ourselves instead of trusting the Lord. We trust in other people. We trust in other things. We can trust in our money. No, trust the Lord. That's, that's what we're to do. I, I sent some verses to my daughter this week, but they're for myself, and I might even print these out for us here. And so I'm just going to read a number of these verses because I was going through the book of Psalms, and there's a lot of verses on trust, just a lot. I'll just read them quickly. Psalm 9:10. those who know thy name will put their trust in thee. Psalm 25, 2, oh my God, in thee I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not, do not let my enemies exult over me. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Psalm 31, 6, I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. Psalm 31, 14, but as for me, I trust in thee, O Lord. I say, thou art my God. Psalm 52, 8, but as for me, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in thee, O God, and God whose word I praise, and God I put my trust. I shall not be afraid. Psalm 84, 12, O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee. Psalm 91, 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And finally, Psalm 125, 1, those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Great verse. I've got great verses here. I've not even read them all, but again, we need to be ones who are trusting in the Lord. That's what God wants us to do. And then we'll be blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Next, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. What do you delight in? Where do you find your joy, your spiritual happiness? It has to be in the Lord. As you know, as people, it's so easy to delight in, in things, in, in music or in movies or in money or in food or in fun or all kinds of other things, all kinds of things we can delight in. In fact, I was listening to this podcast, and I sort of disagreed with him, but he made a good point. He was saying one of the main problems that has happened since World War II in our country, and I think it's placed more to men than women, is that men love their sports. Sports, he says, has really gotten people off track in this country. I'm not saying you can't watch the Bucks today. I'm not saying that. Don't love it, okay? There's other things. You know, women are affected. But, this, but again, we are affected by so much. We love these things. We need to love the Lord, delight in the Lord, knowing that it's from the Lord then that we'll really find real joy and peace and contentment. Psalm 1-2, key verse, first chapter. First Psalm, 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and the night. So if we talk about delight in the Lord, we have to have the corollary, which says we are to delight in God's word. And so if we delight in the Lord, then we'll delight in his word. The, the simple example, if you really love somebody, you not just want to be with them, you want to hear what they have to say. That's really important in relationships. You delight in what they have to say. We'll be ones then who love to read God's word, who love to hear him speak to us. And of course, the main way that God speaks to us is through his word. We are so blessed. I, I don't know how it all worked, you know, centuries past where they didn't have the word in abundance like we have today. Of course, you understand back with Luther and the Gutenberg Press when they finally started printing the word in mass before, and they're just sort of writing it out and making copies that way. We're so blessed. All of you have at least one Bible in your house, two or three or four, maybe some little New Testaments. We are blessed. Read the word. And you can really tell a person's love for God by how much they love his word. Or if it's hard for you to read, then listen to it. There's so many places, apps online now, you can listen to the word. You can listen. It's just it's so and so important that you listen, read the word and then listen to what God is telling you. Next one, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. The word commit means to roll. <laughs> Not sure why, but that's, this means to roll. And the idea is this, is the verse is saying that you need to roll all of your life upon the Lord. You need to roll all your cares and all your ways, all that you do upon the Lord. That's, that's the idea. And so you're, 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 to, you're to do your part, yes, but you still need to commit your way to the Lord. You need to commit your way to the Lord and, and, and all that you do. And then he'll, he'll take care of everything. That's really it. As, as people in life, and we're going to talk about this in the next little bit, as, as people in life, there are things that you do, but we also need to see, okay, what am I to do and what is God going to do, okay? And sometimes to delineate that's an important thing. So the point is this, be open with God, give him your life, rely on him, commit your way, roll all that you do upon him, and then look to him, trust him then to, to do what he wants to do, and he will help you, he will lead you, he will bring it about. An example of this, turn to 1 Samuel, you might know this, it's, it's, it's one of those stories you learn, you just don't forget. Jonathan and his armor bearer, 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. Jonathan and, and David, of course, were good friends, and Jonathan was David's armor bearer, but here he's out on patrol, I guess. The enemy is close by. 1 Samuel 14, 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself, and here I am with you according to your desire. There's no doubt that there's Jonathan and there's this committee. He says, Lord, I'm going to do this. And you read the story. It's classic of how God used them to really defeat the enemy. And there's just a couple people there. They're climbing the cliffs and going to the enemy's camp. And God really used it in a big way. But they're committing their way to the Lord. They were saying, Lord, I'm going to do this. You, you help us. And the armor bearer, of course, thought the same thing. The next one, back to Psalm, 1, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse um, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. There's, there's two here. I'm gonna, they're related. They're definitely connected, but I'm going to separate them, okay? Rest in the Lord. The word rest means to cease, to be silent, to be still. That's what it means. There are, tr there are times as Christians when you need to completely 
Stop what you're doing. I mean, completely stop what you're doing and just look to the Lord. You get way too busy. You get way too anxious. You be thinking about all these things. And God says, no, you look to me. And you rest in me. It's very important. I, I think I have a... I, this, this may have spoke to me much as anything out of all these verses here. Because I can tend to want to do things and get things done. And God says, no, you just, you just stop. You just stop. Okay. And again, that's what I was sort of saying before. You need to know when to stop and when, okay, hey, God, you take over. Sometimes we're doing a lot of things and sometimes God says, stop, be still. Okay. The, these verses here, these are interesting. Exodus 14, 14. This one you can easily memorize. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. That's one of those stop what you do verses. The Lord will fight for you while you just keep silent. And then we go to, to um, 2 Chronicles 20. I can't remember the exact verse. This is, this is Jehoshaphat facing the enemy. And I think the prophet was speaking. He says, you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. And then you read the text, and they're just standing there looking down, and the enemy is killing each other off. This is classic. I, I, I don't know all to say here. Just to say there are times when God says, stop. Just stop. Stop doing what you're doing. You look to me. I'm going to take, take over here. I, I got, it, got it covered. Don't worry about it. And I, I really think sometimes we try to do too much. The verse you know this one too. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. It's a different Hebrew word, but it's the same thought. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And, and the thing I want you to understand here, this, this, is, this is a really important verse. Because oftentimes we're talking about, thinking about these verses, this rest and wait, and, and we're thinking about our life and what we're going through and our situations and our problems and our trials. This really puts everything into the right perspective. You stop. You be still and know that I'm God, because I'm going to be exalted. Because the most important thing, again, is what? That God's exalted. That God's glorified. Oftentimes we think way too much about ourselves. And yes, God wants to take care of our little old lives. That's true. But it's important to have perspective. We can think that way, but most importantly, think this way. This verse, Psalm 4610. You be still, because I will be glorified. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. It's all going to, I'll take care of it. And, and again, <laughs> you think about the country and the political thing, and we can worry way too much. God's got it. Stop. Stop fretting. Stop worrying. Rest. And it can relate to any number of situations. The next one is, is similar, but it's different. The word wait is wait for the Lord, verse 9, same verse there. It has the idea of faith. It has the idea of hope. You're, you're wanting to see something happen. You have a desire. You have a concern. And so you're praying. And you're waiting for God to come through. You're waiting for God to come through. You're trusting that God's going to bring it about. That's what it is. There's some situation, you all have situations, you all have things going on, and, and we sometimes want the victory right away. Just wait. And that waiting may be half a day, maybe a week, maybe a year. I, I don't know. It's just wait. Just wait. That's what he says there. You're being patient when you're waiting for the Lord, and you're looking to the Lord, and you're trusting him. All those are the elements. There's this patience, this looking, this trusting in God, because you know that he then has the power and the ability to bring it about. That's what it is. God is so much bigger than we are. You need to understand that. Sometimes we forget, and we just think, hey, it's up to me. You know? God says, no, it's up to me. Important, important, these verses here. God wants us then to be waiting on him. 
that's how he fulfills his will. That's one of the main ways. The verse you know this, I believe, 27, Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart. And yes, wait for the Lord. When I, when I, when I go think about that, I, I usually think of Steve Vicky Phelps. Because, you know, I knew, him, I knew him for over 40 years. And when you know somebody that long, you know their favorite verses, okay? This is probably one of their top five verses. I kept hearing them. I hear all through the years, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, wait for the Lord. And so, again, waiting on God. And it relates to the one before because, hey, you're just sort of being still. Wait for God. So, again, I, I can't define specifically how this all works out in terms of your part and his part and what's it mean to be completely still. But that general principle of learning to rest in the Lord and wait for him is really, really important. Now, connected to this waiting, then I want to talk about promises because promises are connected to this point about waiting. That is, promises help us then to wait. You have a promise, and the promise then is you're waiting, you know, whatever area it is. And, and, and there's many verses that talk about this hope, this future that God has for you, and you need to know these verses, these promises. You know, it, it could be this simple, and I use this verse all the time, Psalm 32, 8. I will lead you in the way you should go. I will lead you. You know, my, my son... Houston is, 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 is looking for another church. He's in the process. It's probably, probably decided in the next week, two or three, I assume. But he's waiting on the Lord. He's not sure. And we talk to him every week about these things. We're talking, you know, quite often. He's waiting on God to make it clear. Okay, it's a decision. And so, but there's that verse, that promise that helps him. Hey, wait on the Lord, you know, and, and he'll lead you in the way that, that you should go. So again, the, the promises. This one in John 14, 1 to 3. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go and prepare a place for you. It may be the big picture. You're thinking, as Paul rightly said in Philippians 1, 21, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And Paul there was saying, hey, yeah, I know I'm here. He's probably close to 60 then. A little older, beat up a lot. A lot of trials, a lot of persecution, physical persecution he went through, as well as mental persecution. But he was saying, hey, Lord, I, I, I think my life's about over. I think I've done enough. I, I like to die. Okay. And it's not a wrong thought in one hand. But of course, you know, we wait for the Lord. You wait for the Lord for the right time. And so this verse here in John 14, wait for the Lord. He'll take you home to heaven at the right time. Hebrews 11 is a classic chapter. It's filled with verses about how these Jewish people were believing the promises that God had given to them about their future. I mean, it just, just go through. And different stories, different, different examples that are given here. The one with Abraham, Hebrews 11.10. He was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So what helped Abraham get through his life is knowing that there's going to be this permanent. I mean, here he's living in tents. He's going around all the countries. I live in, in tents. And I remember um, when we were in Israel back in like, 97, I think, 98, um, we saw these tents out there. We were going through Jordan, all these tents. I said, golly, that's probably the kind, sort of the kind of tent. Well, probably a nicer tent than Abraham had. But, you know, it's, it's this big tent with this nice car in front of the tent. We go drive by the road. Uh, Abraham, of course, didn't have cars. But he had this tent, and it was hard struggle he was looking for the city that has foundations matthew 24 this whole idea of hope in the future this this i believe the if you ask me the most important chapter in prophecy i say matthew 24 it doesn't tell you everything but it tells you as much as you it's sort of a good overview 
in it, I'll sum it up with six phrases. It talks about the birth pains. It talks about great tribulation. It talks about the persecution of Christians, which is related to great tribulation. It talks about the coming of the Antichrist, who's going to bring a lot of this great tribulation. It talks about the coming of Christ. And it talks about the rapture of the church. It's a, it's a great... And, and that's going to be an essential chapter the closer we get to the coming of Christ so we can actually look at that chapter and it's somewhat chronological and we see how things are unfolding. Matthew 24... Turn there for a second. Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35. This, this, I love this verse. Right in the middle of all these verses on prophecy, this is what it says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, and I think he's in my words, and this chapter right here will not pass away. That's the point. You look at it, some of this seems a little bit surreal. Wow, this is going to happen? That's going to happen? Really? Yes. 35. It's like the triple exclamation point. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. It says that your faith in God about your faith in God about the future, your hope in the future, then is related to these verses, these truths here about prophecy. Again, this is a central, central truth about what God has for us in the future. Back to Psalm 37. 31. Key verse in this chapter, Psalm 37, 31. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Good verse. Great verse. The law of his God is not just in his mind. It's got to start in our mind, but it's got to be in our heart. It's got to go from our mind to our heart. That's has to happen. This verse then is the key to all we're talking about. If God's, God's word then is, is the basis for doing what God wants you to do. All these things we've said here in Psalm 37 and other things we've said too. God's word is the basis. It needs to be dwelling in our heart and then we can delight in the Lord and we can trust in the Lord. Then we can commit our way to the Lord. Then we can rest in him. Then we can, then we can, can be still and wait for him. All these things. The word of God. So again, always we've talked about this. Always make this your goal to get God's word in your heart. And so important. Next, let's go to Psalm 27. A couple more sections here in Psalms about a response to God. Verses 4 and 5, David talking, one thing I've asked from the Lord, and of course the first three verses, I'm not going to read them, but it's about this war he's in. I mean, it's like this army, this war. So the context of this spiritual, well, physical battles are taking place, and you get to verse 4. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me, he will lift me up on a rock. Great verses about our relationship with the Lord. And what David wants more than anything else is to be in the house of the Lord. Again, we're talking about the context, the battles that were taking place, and he wanted to be in the house of the Lord. That's what he wanted. It says there he wanted to see the Lord. He wanted to behold the face of the Lord, and he wanted them to be kept safe. He wanted that protection from God himself. That's what he wanted. And so for you, this means that God wants you to love him more than anything else, anyone else. He wants you then to want to be with him. He wants you then to, to know that you're with him that he's with you. To, to, to really important, that last phrase. God wants you to know that you are with him and that he is with you. Okay. Psalm 63, one last passage here. Again, 
These are classic chapters about our relationship with God. Psalm 63, one of my favorites through the years. Verses 1 to 5, Psalm 63. O God, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I've seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. So here's David. He knew that this world wouldn't satisfy him. He had learned that. Sometimes it takes Christians a long time to learn that. Hopefully, at this time in your life as Christians, you've learned that. The world doesn't satisfy. It will not satisfy you. Only God can satisfy you. So what we see here then is that David is seeking the Lord. He's seeking God. He's spiritually thirsting for him. And it says then he sees the Lord. And again, we know this doesn't mean he actually sees him. But spiritually, he sees him. That's, that's what's going on. He, he knows him. He connects with him. He relates to him. And, and then it says, and this is important, we talked about this, I think last week, Psalm 62, is knowing the love of God and the power of God. It says he knows his love and he knows his power. Okay? And then it says he sees his glory. So you see this pattern. We're not taking time to go through it all here, but this whole pattern of his seeking the Lord and ultimately then, then he sees the glory of the Lord. That's what, what happens and therefore, then he praises God. He praises God, okay? That's, that's the bottom line in all of us here. And of course, then this should be the story of our life, that we are ones who seek the Lord. We are ones who find the Lord. We know him. We see his love. We see his power. We see his glory. And we are then satisfied by him, and that we then praise him. That's, that's really where it's at. Psalm 34. Just one last part here. Um... I'm going to read the conclusion, which is the first three verses. The psalmist, you go to verse 4, I sought the Lord, he's got problems, and the Lord helps him out. And, and so he seeks the Lord, that's verse 4. I'm seeking the Lord. Everything turns out good, so what's the bottom line, what's the result? Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That is, God wants us to individually, personally be praising him, but also collectively, corporately, in the church together, be ones who are worshiping him and praising him for who he is and for what he's done. Again, we've looked at a lot of different things today, this week and last week, about your response to the Lord. I encourage you to pray over these and ask God. I know you can't go over everyone, but maybe there's one or two or three that are more relevant than others, and ask God to teach you, and he will. That one verse, we just looked at Psalm 19, teach me your statutes, O Lord, and he will. He's the perfect teacher. So you pray that, and I want to just say this very quickly before we close in prayer. You pray that, teach me your statutes, and then things happen. And things happen are God's answer to your prayer. So this situation here is because he's teaching me his statutes, and then might you learn from him, his Holy Spirit, then remind you of the truth and empower you with the, the strength you need to love the Lord and do what is right and good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We bless you for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord, for each one here and how you're teaching us. Lord, each one of us here as believers, we are your workmanship, and we thank you for that, knowing that each of us are, are individuals before you, 
special in your sight. You treat us all uniquely and different. Principally, overall, it's the same, but the specificity, the uniqueness of what you do is, is, is so different. And, but it's, we thank you, and, and so we can always trust that you know what you're doing. But do teach us, Lord. Help us to learn in these areas. Lots of things we covered last week and this week, and we want to be good students. We want to be ones who learn to follow you and hear you and learn from you and do what you want and be close to you. In those last few verses in Psalm 27, Psalm 63, about being ones who know you and love you and are satisfied by, by you. So important, our personal relationship with you. And I pray that, God, you'd help us then to grow in, in loving you and trusting you and growing then and knowing your love and your goodness and your mercy and your strength and power. Thank you, Lord, again for this time. Thank you for this church as continue to lead us. Lord, and, and all that you have for us, we just do bless you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Say this as uh, the um, singers come up, come up now for our communion time. Is that um, plan tomorrow is to sign the papers for the transfer of the ownership of this property from us to Bethel. That's the plan. You know, there's so many different details, and I'm not going to tell you any of them here at all. But God's been helping us. It just There's details that I need to work through, working through the last few months. But hopefully tomorrow then is the plan. So pray for that to go well. Two o'clock tomorrow. Okay.
Then I thought, well, every song's a communion song, okay? Because it all relates to the love of the Lord, so we'll take it for that. So Revelation chapter 1, if you want to turn there, and I want to look at just some big picture verses here. It relates to the Lord's love for us. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, 5, 5, excuse me, and, and it's, it's the middle of the verse. Revelation 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 5. To, to him who loves us, and released us from our sins by his blood. Speaking to Christ, he loved us. He loved us by dying for us, by paying for our sins. That's, that's, that's the specific communion part in terms of the love that he had for us and dying for us. But then we continue on. He has made us to be a kingdom, a priest who is God and Father. The second point is this. Is the first point is, is we're talking about relationship with God based on the love that God has for us, his mercy upon our souls. The second point is, is we have this relationship. We also have a purpose. And it says that God then has made us to be his, his kingdom and priest to, to serve him. That's, that's. Third point is what's the ultimate reason? To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. But we continue. The next point, behold, he has come. This is our hope. Not just about this life. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. But to continue on this theme, go back to Jude. The end of the chapter there, Jude. And look at verse um, 21. You're going to see the same thoughts here. 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's a command that God gives you. That's what you need to do every day of the week. You need to be stirred by the love that God has for you. That's one of the reasons we're taking this time now, this communion time, so that we can together collectively stir ourselves in the love that God has for us. Then the next point is what? Anxiously waiting, anxious, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That means hope. That's the hope part, okay, the future. Christ is coming back. 
Third is our purpose, 23, save others, snatching them out of the fire and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. That is, God's given us a reason for living and it relates to the pe- other people. That's it. Paul again said in Philippians 1, if, hey, if it's up to me, I'd be out of here, but God, you want me to stand for others? Okay, I'll stay on. As we're here for others. And the final point is the glory. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling to make you stand, this is hope, stand in the presence of this glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. I share all this to, to see this same pattern is given in these two sections. You know, first, you know the love of the Lord, have a relationship. Two, you know the purpose that God has for you. And three, you see that, hey, there's hope, there's a future. And fourth, hey, it's all about glory, the Lord being glorified. That's it. So I want you, that's, that's all I want to share here today is this, hey, the Lord loves us, but look at that love that God has for us in the context of the entirety of our life. This time then we want to have a little time to pray, search our hearts before the Lord. And so I'll uh, just bow your heads because God wants our hearts to be clean before him. I mentioned that phrase before about confessing. This is the last we confess our sins to him. That's, that's for us as believers. And, and, and it's the kind of thing, you know, some might say, well, I need to have a time of confession every day. But really it's a matter of trusting the spirit. Say, Lord, if there's something I'm not doing good, you show me, you lead me, and he'll convict you. He'll do that. And so maybe there's nothing but time here. We take that time to say, God, search me, know my heart, see if there's any unrighteous, unholy way in me. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you now for this time that we can have before you. Thank you that, Father, you've cleansed our hearts and our souls. You've made us righteous in your sight by the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the cross and his resurrection from the dead and the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We thank you, Father. You get all the credit, you get all the glory that you loved us so much. And now we tell you to take this time because we love you. We want to express our love to you this short time together that we can again have communion and as, as, as take these two symbols. The bread and the, the juice is, is reminders again, really eternal reminders of what you've done for us. But thank you again, Lord, for your great love, your kindness, and mercy. And again, we tell you, Father, we tell you, Lord Jesus Christ, we tell you, Holy Spirit, we love you too. Pray this in Jesus' name. First Corinthians chapter 11. It says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup in the new covenant 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, Father, we thank you so much for this time, this day. Be with you and one another. Thank you for your great love. Just continue to lead us and guide us, Lord. Help us to have holy hearts that verse in First Peter, be holy yourselves and also in all your behavior. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Activity-wise, we've got a busy week coming up. Uh, Wednesday is our Prophecy Bible Study. If you're able to come out Wednesday, and then Friday is the men's meeting. Uh, so we'll have uh, dinner together and time in the Word uh, this Friday, men. And then sa Saturday will be the Ladies' Fellowship time and brunch. That's at 11 a.m. here at church. So three activities uh, this week. And then just looking towards the end of October, um, I believe we've mentioned to you a, a, a seminar, a financial seminar, uh, that'll be uh, your retirement journey, um, which we're all on, <laughs> whether we're young or old, so uh, it's never too late to uh, start planning for that. Um, Joe DiPaolo has done a financial seminar here before, some of you might have met him, but so that was several years ago, I forget how many, but uh, he'll be back for that um, as far as I know, he'll be one of the people that'll be doing that. There is a flyer on the back table, and uh, use that for inviting someone if you're going to take one, uh, so they'll know what it's about and the time and so forth. But um, you know, for yourself, it won't, won't really uh, you know inform you other than what we've already said. So just use it to invite people, and then also wanted to mention a prayer request. I haven't mentioned that in a while. Uh, feel free to put any prayer requests into the uh, box, and whether you use your own paper or some of the yellow cards there on the back table by the um, offering box. So you can put those into the offering box, and the um, uh, I distribute those to the elders so everyone can pray for that prayer request for you. So keep that in mind, and then if you have time, join us in Fellowship Hall afterwards today. For uh, just catching up with folks. Now we have our last song. Thank you. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore And the roll is called up yonder I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll Yonder, when the road is called up yonder. 
chapter 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. When the Lord... 